0: Hey everyone, my name is Brian Boker, and I serve as college pastor at Mikado Baptist Church in Macon, Georgia. I want to personally welcome you to the Mikado College podcast. This podcast was created to provide content in the form of messages, talks, and conversations that help accomplish our church's mission to declare the gospel, disciple believers, and do the work of the ministry. I'm excited and expectant about what God is doing in the lives of students and young adults in our church. And I pray this podcast will provide a measure of encouragement and renewed purpose for your life. You could join me in Romans chapter 12 if you have a copy of scripture with you, whether that's on your phone or you actually have a, a physical Bible with you. We're going to start in Romans 12 here in just a little bit. Um, I appreciate the ones who are involved in our midweek, the traditions that we have and the things that we do. Um, I definitely don't take that for granted, especially being involved in praying for the nations um, and being globally minded with the gospel. I think that's, that's really, really important. We're talking about God's will, and as a Christ follower, I would hope that you would desire to do what God has for your life. Uh, Sometimes the idea of God's will can be a little bit confusing for people, like, how do I actually find that, or who do I listen to that gives me advice on how to do God's will? Sometimes we can confuse God's will with our own will, and we talked about that last week a little bit, as far as we want God to just affirm what maybe we already want to do, So we're talking about different issues in your life in this series on finding God's will and more importantly, as the series says, discerning what God's will is versus maybe your own desires and your own will. Um, Sometimes we can be tempted to feel like we're being left behind in certain seasons of life. And maybe you felt that as a kid, uh, middle schooler, high schooler, even in college now, like when all of your friends were getting their first phone. Um, everybody was getting a phone, and maybe your parents were like, you're not getting one yet. Don't feel bad. I didn't get my first phone till I was a senior in high school, okay, and it was a flip phone that took terrible pictures, like <laughs> me to Ethan, you know, take a picture, and it's just like really blurry, and, you know, we thought it was the coolest thing, and, and you actually had limits of text messages that you could send, so I could only send and receive 160 text messages a month. And I would like almost go through that in three or four days. Then I'm like letting all of my friends know, like, don't text me or I'll get charged. And then I'd have to pay for those. You had a character limit on your texts. Uh, we're talking about dating tonight. And if you had a Verizon plan, then calls to Verizon were free, but not to other carriers like AT&T or T-Mobile until after 9 o'clock. So that kind of dictated who you dated sometimes, depending, hey, what kind of phone do you have? So, how many times can I call you? That kind of thing. We don't have to worry about any of that. Uh, maybe you felt left behind when your friends were getting a phone and maybe uh, you didn't. Or somebody got their license and you didn't have your license yet, or your parents made you wait till you were 17 or something like that. And you kind of felt like, man, I'm being left behind. Maybe now, like, all of your friends are dating and you're not. Then you'll get into a season where everybody's getting engaged. And maybe you're not even dating yet, or your guy hadn't asked you to marry him yet. And then all your friends are going to get married. And then it's just like a rite of passage, I guess. Me and Christina didn't do this, but it's like, if you get married, you have to get a pet. Like, people that are newlyweds have to get a dog or whatever. We made the decision not to do that. We still haven't done that. When Wesley starts asking, I'm sure that's going to tug on our heartstrings a little bit, and we'll probably end up caving in, I guess. Everybody's getting a dog, oh, we got to get one. Then everybody's starting to have kids. Well, we haven't had kids yet. And sometimes we can feel like we're behind, like other people in their season of life. But sometimes we forget that God has a specific plan for you. God has a specific will for you. And that's what this series is about. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 with me. I'm going to give you some introduction and then we'll dive into what we're going to discuss tonight, which is dating in God's will, which of course at your stage in life will lead to marriage. I don't think you're at the stage where you're just dating to date anymore, or you're just like, well, let's just see how this goes, or I'll go to a prom with somebody or whatever. I mean, you're at the season of life now where realistically every date could be a potential mate, and so it can lead to Marriage Romans 12:1 and 2, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service." Verse two. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. In every lesson that we have in this series, this is our criteria for finding the will of God, and it comes from these two verses. So we're daily sacrificing. We're saying, God, you can have my plans, you can have my life, you can have my relationship, you can have my lane that you're calling me into, and that's a daily thing. It's not an emergency thing, like when a situation comes up. It's every day, sacrificing, submitting, surrender. And then reasonable service is your rational expectation for God. Like, Jesus has done so much for us, it's just our reasonable service that we should serve Him. And we forget that sometimes because we get in our own heads and we have our own plans and we can forget what Jesus truly did. So it's our reasonable service and it removes pressure to be like the world. You don't have to be like the world. You don't have to do the things the world is doing. And you don't have to do what everybody else around you is doing. And so when it comes to dating or when it comes to marriage or whatever like, well all my friend, well you don't necessarily have to, okay? Because you have your lane that God's called you to. And then thinking differently at the end of verse 2, Or in the middle of verse 2, it says to renew your mind. So think differently and think biblically. Our thesis statement for this entire series is this. We should desire for our choices to align with God's will for our life. So God has a permissive will and then he has a perfect will. Our desire as a Christ follower should be for those to be on track with each other. But sometimes we want to go this direction and maybe God has this plan for us. But that's our thesis statement. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Here's our prayer for this series. And when it comes to dating and marriage, I would encourage you to make this your prayer. Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. So whether you're dating right now, we do have some couples in here that I know of, uh, maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend's not here, but but you're just here and you're thinking through this. Maybe you just got out of a relationship and you're single now. Maybe you've been dating for several years and you're right on the the brink of graduation. It's like, okay, what's the next step? Is it engagement? Is it you can really see yourself with this person for the rest of your life because it's a lifelong commitment. Wherever you are, dear God, your will. Even if you've been dating for five years or five months or five weeks, your will. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Go with me to Genesis chapter 2. So all the way back at the beginning, I want to look at one verse in chapter 2. Just to give you some context, Genesis 2 is not a different creation account, okay? It gives more detail to what God did in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. So in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam a wife. He gave him a helper. He gave him a partner. Adam it says that uh, God formed all the animals and he gave names to the animals, and, but there was no helper for him. So look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. So this is after God puts Adam in a deep sleep and he creates Eve and he wakes up and Eve is there. And verse 24 it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be One flesh. So God instituted marriage in the garden. And this is really, really early on, and it's pre fall. So God instituted marriage pre fall. It's really important to remember that. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 says, Whoever finds a wife finds a good thing. The Bible also talks about people being single for life, like Paul. It's it's pretty well known and accepted that he was single. And even in his uh, letter to the Corinthians, I think it was, he said, I, I wish like all people were like me because you could devote more time to Christ. Being married, married takes a lot of time and commitment. And then when you have children, that takes more time and commitment. But Paul also says, I know that's not everybody's lane in life. Like most people are going to get married. So Proverbs says, whoever finds a wife or you can say whoever finds a husband, whoever finds a spouse here, finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. If you're taking notes, I would write this down. When it comes to a relationship, don't look for a perfect relationship. Look for a healthy one. A healthy relationship is greater than a perfect relationship because there is not a perfect relationship out there. And maybe you've had friends, maybe you're like this to where, you're just trying to find this like ideal, perfect person to date and then to marry, and like it's going to just work out that way. But there's really no such thing because of sin, ultimately. like That's the root issue of it. So as we talk about this tonight, we're going to talk about before you date, what your mindset should be. We're going to go to several passages of Scripture on that. Who you should date as a Christ follower and wanting to do God's will. Now, not everybody wants to do God's will. That's a newsflash, I guess, or it really shouldn't be. Like Even somebody who claims to be a Christian just kind of wants to do what they want to do. But if you truly want to do God's will, there's some scripture for that when it comes to who you should date. And then really practical stuff on while you're dating, some principles for guys, for girls, and then for um, both of you. But a healthy relationship is healthy boundaries, healthy expectations in a relationship. Sometimes our expectations can be way too high. So healthy expectations, healthy boundaries, spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, that's the sort of relationship you should seek to have. Not like, I gotta find this perfect person who we, all, we never have any disagreements with because it's not out there. And there's no perfect marriage either. It's two imperfect people trying to get along, and you're going to have bumps in the road. That's just reality, and we just have to establish that. So when it comes to dating, I would encourage you to look for a healthy relationship, not necessarily a perfect one. So let's talk about before you date. First of all, you need to find your identity in Christ and pursue that relationship first. Before you start dating someone, your identity in Christ should be solid. And pursuing that first before you get into another relationship. That should be paramount. I don't know what it was about this, but I guess we're going to have two or three of these about the greater. Your vertical relationship with God is greater than your horizontal relationship with someone else. As far as, like, in context, dating someone. Like, your identity in Christ should be solid, and you should be pursuing God first before you're ready to date. And what that could include is you recently got out of a relationship and now you're just somebody's just looking for a rebound, like to fulfill whatever hole is there. Work on your relationship with God first and make that paramount before you add another layer into your life and get into a relationship with someone else, especially in your life stage of dating for your future, not just dating to date. I guess some people in your life stage are still doing that, but I don't really think that's a very mature move at your age. So work on your relationship with God First, also before you, date, before you date, being okay with not dating is a good sign that you're ready to date. Being okay with not dating, being okay with being single, is actually a really good sign and a healthy sign that you're actually more ready to date. Just to give you my story, I, when I was in ninth grade, I started dating this girl. She was a junior in high school. We went to the same high school, so I was very young okay, and very immature. And we dated for four years. Um, She went off to college. Still dating. I got to college. One of the reasons, I mean, that was, I mean, of course, it played a factor into it that where I went, where I went, because she was there, and there were other reasons too. I had family members there. I wanted to go into education. They had a great education program. It was very affordable, five thousand dollars a year to go to that college, so that was pretty affordable, and then also the girl that I was dating for the last four years, she happened to be there too. Well, I get there as a freshman, okay, right when I get there, there was this other guy that she had been talking to while she was at college for the two years that I was still back in high school, and she got with him. Now, my parents were never really for this relationship in the first place, not necessarily because she was like this, you know, bad person or whatever, they just didn't see it for me, and they they tried to tell me that, but, you know, sometimes when you're growing up, you're like, Mom and Dad, I don't know what they're talking about, you know, and you think that you just automatically love somebody, and that love is, you think love's not a choice, but it is, and you're like, well, I just love them. Like, I'm not, you cho- No, love is a choice, okay, everyday choice. So I get there, we break up, and she starts dating the guy, and of all of all the dorms and all the halls and all the rooms, he's on my hall as a freshman there, so... Every time I walk out the door, we're passing each other in the hallway. And it was a very awkward, difficult time for me. My first semester of my freshman year in Florida, away from home, had good friends around me. But I almost wanted to leave the college. So it was a tough semester. And it got to the point where I had to get... It was several months to the point where I was just fine with being single. I was okay. And it took me getting to my sophomore year in college to finally get to that point of, all right, I'm good. I'm not going to let this dictate my future, and I'm going to work on my relationship with God. I had just gotten saved the night before I went to college, so that's another story there. So I'm working on that, and it got to that point of saying, you know what, I'm okay being single, and then I went home for Christmas break, and I noticed this girl on the basketball court named Christina, and I'm like, I knew her family for a long time, and I started putting pieces together, and I'm like, no way. There's no way that this could work, and the rest is history but it got to that point where I was fine being okay being single. That's actually a healthy place to be in. Third, before you date, why are you wanting to date? You should date with the future in mind, and you should want to date with evaluating if you could spend the rest of your life with someone. That should be why you're wanting to date at this point in your life. It's an evaluation stage at this point. Evaluating, can I be with this person the rest of my life. Number four, before you date, where are you looking? There's an example uh, in the book of Ruth, and Ruth and Boaz ultimately get married, but Ruth was doing God's will for her life, and she was where she needed to be and did what she needed to do for Boaz to essentially notice her, and then they ended up getting married. He was the kinsman redeemer. It's an awesome story of a love situation between two people, but also metaphorically God's love for us as well. And Ruth was where she needed to be. What community are you in that exposes you to certain people? So before you date, who are you surrounding yourself with? Like what sea are you swimming in? Some people are like, there's plenty of fish in the sea, but what sea are you in? So you're not going to find the right people if you're in the sea where right people are not. But also, here's a newsflash. Just because a guy brings a Bible to church doesn't mean that you should date him. And just because a girl brings her Bible to church and is making a bunch of notes doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I need to date that girl because she's bringing her Bible to church. Just because somebody says that they're a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that you should date them. Okay? So what sea are you swimming in? And what communities are you putting yourself in, giving you the best opportunity to meet somebody. I know a really good place where you can meet somebody and that's here at church. And then other groups and other situations where you can meet somebody that could push you to be more like Christ. Go to Proverbs with me to chapter 11. So a couple of passages in Proverbs. It's the wisdom book. So it gives us practical counsel for life. What else you should do before you date? You should find your identity in Christ. Pursue that first. Have that nailed down. Don't find your identity in having a boyfriend or a girlfriend. There are some people that if they don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, they're going to find another one because that's their identity. They have to be in a relationship. The relationship you have to be in is with Jesus. That's the relationship you have to be in, and you need to be in, and you should have that nailed down. You should also be okay with not dating. That's a good sign that you're ready to date. And then why are you wanting to date? And then where are you looking to date? But then number five... Who are you asking about who to date? Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14 says this, Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. If somebody asks you on a date, if a guy asks you as a girl on a date, there should be people that you trust and that you go to and you ask what they think about that person. And then you should actually listen to them. Like even friends, parents, whoever your mentor is, you should ask them like, what do you think about this person? You know, what, what's your perspective of them? And even as you continue to date somebody, I think it's good to have some counsel around you because sometimes love can make us blind, right? To what, a, who a person really is. That was my situation with the girl that I was dating. There were people saying, I don't know if this is right. And I'm like, oh, whatever. I couldn't see it. But they could see it because they were on the outside. So who are you asking? That's all before you date. Now, who should you date? I would encourage you to do this. I would encourage you to date with both eyes open to the person and close both eyes in prayer while you're considering dating that person. And when I say both eyes open to that person, when we're dating sometimes, we like to close our eye to the things that annoy us and kind of aggravate us. And maybe are red flags, we like to close our eyes to that and only see that, oh, they're really good looking or they're very talented or their parents have a lot of money and they're from my hometown and this works out really well. But I know this is a red flag. I know they really don't care about what's important or whatever. You fill in the blank and we close our eye to that. But you should date with both eyes open and you should close both your eyes and pray through that relationship, and see if that's really God's will for your life. Go to 1 Corinthians with me, chapter 7. 1 Corinthians 7. Three areas when it comes to who you should date. If you're wanting to do the will of God, you're discerning God's will. First of all, you should date a growing believer. So it's more than just they identify as a Christian, or they say that they're a Christian. You should seek to date someone who is growing in their faith and have been growing in their faith personally before you have even met them and started dating them. That's a great indication of somebody that you should date if you want to do God's will for your life. So you should date a growing believer. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 39. The context here, Paul in this entire chapter is talking about um, marriage and he gets to this point where if a, if a lady's husband dies... Okay, she's free to remarry. Like, that's not just something we say in our in our vows till death does us part. That's actually a biblical principle because it's a lifelong commitment. And I know we live in the real world. I know that divorce happens. I know that. I have people in my family, my immediate family, who are divorced and remarried. I know that. But that doesn't change God's design for what marriage is. Like it's a lifelong commitment. It's actually more than a commitment, it's actually a lifelong covenant which is more than a commitment so that's the context there okay this lady's husband dies and she's free to remarry look at first corinthians 7 verse 39 the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband's living but if her husband is dead she's at liberty to be married to whom she will but don't miss that last phrase okay only in the lord there's other translations that says to someone who loves the lord That's really important. Not just that somebody says that they're a Christian or that just goes to church, but somebody who's actually growing in their faith. And how do you know that? You know if somebody's growing in their faith based on what they talk about. Like You know what people are obsessed with based on what they talk about all the time. Some of you in here love cars. You talk about it all the time. Some of you in here love hunting. Okay, I'm with you. You talk about it all the time. You love sports. You love whatever. You talk about it. Okay, so how do I know if somebody's a growing Christian? They talk about Jesus. They talk about what they're learning. They talk about their church. They talk about what they're reading through. They talk about what God's been teaching them. They, they talk about it. You shouldn't be the one pushing their own spiritual growth. You shouldn't necessarily be the one saying, did you have your quiet time today? Like, come on, let, let's, go to, let's go to church or... Can we have a devotion? Like, they should be doing that on their own, a growing believer. I don't think evangelism dating is a good idea. Some people call it missionary dating. Like, you're a believer and you're going to date someone and hopefully they'll get saved because you're dating them and you're bringing them to church. Now, this this is so rare, but my grandmother and my grandfather, this happened with their situation. He promised my grandmother that I promise I'll go to church with you if you marry me. Like, I promise I'll do all that Christian stuff if you marry me. And he was not a believer. And my grandmother was like, okay. And she took him up on it. And they got married. And they lived in Miami. And uh, granddaddy never went to church. You know, maybe the first Sunday or the second Sunday or whatever. But then it just fell off. I was like, oh, I'm not going. Grandmama stayed with him. He eventually got saved. He eventually became a pastor. He died in 1988. I was born in 1990. I never got a chance to meet him, but I hear about him all the time. He pastored a church for a very long time here locally, but he was not a believer when my grandmother married him. He ultimately got saved, but my grandmother, who is still alive, 88 today, she would tell you that wasn't very wise on my part. I don't think it's wise because of the principle of not being unequally yoked with unbelievers. Also, you should date a growing believer and think about your future because that is the future dad of your children if you marry that person. That is the future mom of your kids that you marry. Could you see that guy being a dad? Could you see that girl being a mom? Now, I'm not saying like at this point, because I know there's maturity and there's time and all of that, but thinking down the road, because if every date's a potential mate... And you're not just dating to date and mess around and hook up or whatever, but like you're serious about it. Could you see that person being responsible enough to be a dad one day if you want to have kids or be a mom one day if you want to have kids? Like you should actually consider that and think about your own parents because at one point your own parents, you may not think it now, you know, they look a little bit different. Maybe they gained a little weight. Maybe you're like, oh, mom and dad, (laughs) they don't know, whatever. But at one point they were dating, they were where you are, And they had to make that decision. And I don't know if your home situation was a good one, but they made a decision. And now you think about your home situation, you wonder, I wonder if my mom actually thought through this or my dad actually thought through this. And if you have a really good home situation, like I am so blessed to have both of my parents and they They thought through this. So think about your own home situation and you're in a great position in life because you're not married yet. Unless somebody's got a secret and we don't know about it. The only couple that's married in this room is Christina and myself. Like you're not married yet. So you're in a prime position in life to make these kind of decisions. So who you date is so important. Date a growing believer. Number two, date someone who has integrity. Go with me to Proverbs 31. Uh, Caleb read, One verse, I think, from this chapter. We're going to read 2, Proverbs chapter 31. Date someone with integrity. Here's another greater than. The inner is greater than the outer. The internal is greater than the external. Looks are important, but very minor compared to what you cannot see. You ever been absolutely shocked, especially with celebrities, that a celebrity who has a gorgeous wife cheats on her with someone else or vice versa? Now, you girls, you're like, how did she cheat on that guy, man? If I had that guy, I would, man, that would be my dream. How does that happen? Because looks fade as you get older, but then also when you marry someone, and you're with them all the time, and you become very familiar, you have to be very intentional about intimacy. You have to be very intentional about still being attracted to that person because you're with each other all the time. So looks are not everything. They're actually very minimal. They're important. I think you should be attracted to the person that you marry. I wasn't going to make the decision to not be attracted to the person that I marry. I have to wake up to him every single day, so I'm very attracted. But it it fades with time in different ways and actually it gets better in intimacy and it gets better in your marriage and your relationship as time goes on. It becomes more meaningful. But looks are not everything. The internal is so much more important than the external. And that comes from Proverbs 31. Look at Proverbs 31 verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. That means it's rare, guys. That means it's rare. Who can find a virtuous woman? That's rare. All right, jump to Proverbs 30. And by the way, who can find a virtuous man? That's rare. Go to Proverbs 31, verse uh, 30, okay? Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that fears God or fears the Lord, she will be praised. So integrity. The inner is so much greater then the outer. You know, Jesus said this about the Pharisees in Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you know what's on the inside from the outside. You know. And then in Luke eleven thirty nine, 39, he says this about the Pharisees. Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup. Like if you pull a cup out of your um, cupboard, your cabinet, you know, you pull it to get something to drink coffee mug, whatever, and, oh, this looks clean, and then you go to pour it, and you look on the inside, you're like, oh, the dishwasher didn't get that at all, or I don't even know if this was loaded in the dishwasher, and it's dirty, and I've got to wash it again. That was the Pharisees. They look really good on the outside. They look really good. But on the inside, they were dirty, they were nasty. Your inward parts are full of wickedness. So it is so important to really focus on the integrity of the person you're wanting to date. Like, who are they? on the inside. I think we've already established that they should be a believer and be a growing believer, but then their honesty, their characteristics, their integrity. If a guy is constantly stuck on himself, you don't need that. I think there's a difference between being confident and being conceited. I do think that girls like a guy who's confident, like in their decisions and in their leadership and very intentional. Like they're intentional about saying what this is and like can make a decision and can decide what to do and can take some ownership and leadership. I think that is attractive, but conceited, that's something else. Like, you don't need that at all. Same thing with a girl. If on the outside, yeah, everything looks great, but on the inside and in private conversation and all of that, you don't need that. So integrity is super important. But then also, lastly, who to date, when thinking through this, you need compatibility. You need to be able to get along. Marriage is not just about sex. Maybe the sex is good, but what about outside of that? Like, it is not just about that, okay? News flash, you're not having sex all the time in marriage. Okay. You're not. There's a lot of mundane moments in a marriage that you need compatibility. Household chores, you know, paying the bills, Long car rides, just sitting on the couch watching TV, just being at the house. Can you get along? Do you have compatibility? Could you see yourself being with this person in mundane moments? We talked about some of those things that are very mundane. That's your day-to-day. That's actually your majority. And then marriage is for life. That's a big question. I don't think it should scare you. I think it should just get you to think. All right. If I'm going to date this person, and I'm and I'm at the age that you're at, like, could I spend the rest of my life with that person? Could I actually do that? Based on who they are, based on their integrity, based on their relationship with the Lord at this point, based on if we can have fun together, you know, like outside, like just have fun together, just enjoy being with each other, and not always having to be physical or not always having to be doing whatever, but literally just like not doing hardly anything and just really enjoying being together. That is so important in a marriage. But here's a reality, okay? You can do all of these things. You can check all the boxes if you want. And it's still somewhat of a risk because we're all fallen. We all have a sin nature. The risk is so much more minimal if you do this. But you do hear of those random situations where All of this just, and then somebody just changed, changed. But normally that doesn't happen, normally. Like normally you date somebody, you're around somebody for a long enough period of time, you figure out who that person is, but it's still somewhat of a risk. And that's another conversation for another day because even after you get married, it's so important to daily choose to love that person. It's so important to to still date in a relationship. Like if a period of time goes by where me and Christina are like, we haven't gone on a date, just us, without Wesley at this point, you know, not a college retreat where we have 17 other people in the house, which is a lot of fun and we had a lot of good time, but that's not like me and Christina time, okay? If enough time goes by, we need to be like, all right, we got to plan something because that's important because a long time could go by and it's like, we haven't done anything where it's just us and we did it all the time when we were dating. That is so important in marriage, but the reality is, you can do all of these things, and it's still somewhat of a risk. That's why you have to continually choose to follow Christ in your day-to-day life and choose to love that person as well. All right, this is super practical, okay? Go to Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to go ahead and, and get there because that'll be, I think, the last passage that we, that we go to. But Ephesians chapter 5, we'll get to that in just a little bit. I want to give you some practical points about when you date. Okay, when you date guys take initiative and be intentional be clear on what your intentions are call it a date you know not just like you want to get together you want to hook up hopefully you're not saying that but you want to go on a date at this time at this place be very intentional about that <clears throat> i think girls are attracted to that be clear on what it is okay like actually talk to the girl and ask her and then on the date be a gentleman like she's not one of the guys okay she's not so like when you go to pick her up don't blow the horn and say come on Becky get in the car I don't know if we have any Beckys here go to the do- like she's not one of the guys you can yell at one of the guys like dude come on be a gentleman and be intentional and take initiative girls if a godly guy, if he's godly, he, he's godly, you know he's a growing Christian and all this, and maybe you didn't see it coming, but he takes the initiative and asks you out on a date. I'm not saying you have to do this. And you can completely disagree with me if you would like to, but maybe you should just go on the date. Like, Even if you're like, eh, I didn't really see Like, I'm not really attracted. You know that some people actually become more attractive the more you get to know them? And some people become less attracted the more you get to know them. You know, so you could go on a date with someone like, man, that guy is hot. You go on a date with him, and and he's a jerk. He he is not as attractive as you thought he was. And then there may be a guy, you know, he's a godly guy. He's checking these boxes, whatever. You thought through it. You prayed about it. He asked you on a date, and you're like, oh, that came out of nowhere, but I'll give it a try. Give it a try, and then if it's not a second date, like, have enough integrity to say no to the second one, but at least you gave it a try. I think there's some value in that. And also I would say to the girls play a little hard to get as well. That's a that's actually a, a a good thing. The the first long text that I sent Christina after some basketball game that I watched like you know you played I think they lost or something but I was trying to be encouraging. You played so good, da-da-da. Lucky for me, I never had to get her number because my sister and Christina were very, very good friends, so my sister didn't have a phone, so she texted Christina from my phone, so I already had her number, so that worked out really well. So I'm like, oh, you played good and all this. Christina's response, thanks. (laughs) And then you're stuck. Like, now what do I say? You did really good, like repeat it again? I'm like, I'll just leave it at that. There's value in playing hard to get. Okay, for both of you, I've got to hurry here. I would say honor each other's boundaries, okay? Hopefully, and we had a boundary series. Hopefully, before you start dating someone, you've established some boundaries in your life, like before you even started dating them. So if you start dating somebody and they have some very clear boundaries and they told you what those boundaries are, honor those. Don't say, well, that's dumb. Well, we're dating now. It's no big deal. Honor them. Like, honor their personal boundaries. Also define what this is. Not leading on or just ghosting somebody. Have an exit plan that's actually honoring to that person. Guys should honor girls and girls should honor guys too. Like there's value there. And with that, give value to the other person as a brother or sister in Christ because that's what they are to you. The scripture that deals with relationships between a man and a woman, most of the scripture, like I don't think there's really any scripture that you could go to and be like, this is talking specifically about dating. Dating is actually not that old of a concept, so ninety nine point nine percent of the scripture on a relationship between a man and a woman is, is marriage. Okay, and you're not married to him yet, even being engaged, you're not married to him yet. They're a brother or sister in Christ, and so give them value of that. You're not her husband yet, and you're not his wife yet. Okay, so the scripture deals with the marriage relationship. I would also encourage you to do this: date in community. All right, Proverbs eleven fourteen. In the multitude of counselors, their safety. Don't be by yourselves all the time and just shut everybody out. Okay, maybe you had a friend and once they started dating, you never see them again. Date in community, okay? And then also don't make people feel uncomfortable. Don't do it. Like everybody is awkward around that couple, you know. We, we used to have a good time together, but we can't have a good time together. Don't make people feel uncomfortable when you're around them. And date in community. I think there's a lot of value in that. Like double dating, going out, having a good time. And you get to see that person and how they react to others. And this came to my mind. Just watch how the guy treats his mom and talks about his mom. And then, guys, watch how the girl talks about and really listen to how she talks about her dad. Because that's the male figure in her life. And if you become her husband, you're the male figure in her life. And vice versa with the girl and her dad. Okay, That's really important, too. So date and community, I think that's important. And then create boundaries, of course. You know it's God's will for you to be pure. Like, we already established that last week. 1 Thessalonians 4. It is God's will that you abstain from fornications. It is God's will that you abstain from sexual immorality. Like, if you want to do God's will, stay pure. Like, that that is clear in Scripture. So, in a dating relationship, of course, create boundaries and practice wisdom. Ephesians 5, verses 31 and 32. This gives us the importance of marriage, okay? It says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. So the relationship's different now. Leaving the nest. Okay, joined together. And they too shall be one flesh. Verse uh, 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So the marriage relationship between a man and a woman is a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. And in that picture, Christ is the bridegroom, and the church is the bride, and He's coming back for the bride, like the, the Bible talks about that. So marriage is a visible manifestation of Christ and the church, like metaphorically speaking. That's why marriage is so sacred, like that's why. And that's why also that God intended marriage for life, because the last time I read my Bible, Jesus is not forsaking the church, right? So if it's a picture of Christ in the church, That gives severity to that relationship. I think marriage is sacrifice, it's sacred, it's submission, and it's sustaining. It's sacred, it's sacrifice, it's submission on both sides, and it's sustaining. That's what marriage is. So how do we wrap all of this up? If you're single, you're not dating, you're actually in a great position to start putting these into practice. Like, okay, I'm not dating anybody yet. Working on my relationship with the Lord, somebody comes to my mind or somebody says, Hey, you should think about, all right, I'm gonna start evaluating. Maybe that would work out, maybe not. If you're dating, maybe you need to step away from a relationship that you shouldn't be in. If you've prayed about it, you've sought the Lord's face about it, you've thought about some things, and you're like, I need to step away. Maybe you need to keep evaluating. Maybe you're like, no, our relationship is going in the direction that it needs to go, and I feel like this is God's will for my life. And You know, this is good, and you keep evaluating. And then if you've been dating for a certain period of time, like, give clarity to what it is. Are you just going to keep dating, you know, your whole life? Are you going to ask the girl to marry you? Or have you talked about marriage? Or, like, what's next? Because that's what's next, and then it's marriage, and it's it's life. So, like, really define what it is. When it comes to dating, when it comes to marriage, dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your Word and how clear it is on subjects like this. Thank you that we can apply principles of Scripture um, to our everyday lives. Lord, in the room tonight, I know that uh, there are some who are dating, there are some who are single, maybe there are some that just got out of a relationship, just got into a relationship. Whatever the situation is, um, I pray that the things that were said tonight like what Caleb's prayer was, for it to be your word. Um, I pray that your word uh, worked in hearts and um, that we will continually, most importantly, work on our relationship and our identity in Christ. And I pray that you give wisdom to those in here that aren't dating, to be able to date someone that is in your will and your plan and a healthy relationship. I pray for the relationships that are had in this room that you will be at the center of that relationship and that the the ones in that relationship will really define what it is and uh, keep you first in that. Um, Thank you for the group that we have tonight. I thank you for the guests that are here, their first time being at our college ministry. Um, I pray that they'll come back. I pray that more will join in so that we can have a greater impact in the middle Georgia area and for the students who are going back to Pensacola and other colleges soon, Um, that they'll have an impact on where they are too. And we thank you for your goodness. God, I pray that if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know you, um, that has been thinking about salvation, has questions about that, that they'll talk to somebody they trust about it, and uh, that they'll get that settled in their heart. Thanks so much for being a good God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Mikado College Podcast. If you were in the middle georgia area and you don't have a church we would love to get a chance to meet you you can find more information about our church at MikadoBaptist.org. you can also stay up to date with our college ministry by following us on instagram at mikado college and we would love to follow you back i hope this episode encouraged you today and it was enough of a blessing for you to subscribe so you don't miss the next one if it helped you it will probably help someone else so send the link to a friend